great to see you. Welcome to Sisterhood. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, you can clap. It's so exciting. So wonderful to see you, and I want to welcome to all of our campuses that are going to join via video and all of our other sisterhood groups. That's so exciting that we can do this all together. And many of you have been a part of sisterhood before, but for those of you that are new, we want to just explain a little bit about what we do here at sisterhood. First of all, Every week we come together at these tables and we hear a, a lesson every week and then we get to discuss it around our tables. And because we want you to form relationships, we have you sit at the same table every week for the semester. And so that allows for just some great friendships to blossom. And we know that Jesus is here with us too, right? Because it says in Matthew 18, verse 20, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So if you want to, you can kind of think of Jesus as that little invisible participant there at your table as well, because he is so interested in your personal growth, and he just wants you to thrive here. So we do our best every week to bring a great teaching, but Part of the benefits of being at Sisterhood is that you have this amazing table, and that's where we want you to, to lean into the discussions and build friendships. The key to having great community at your table is to understand that you play a vital role in this. Okay, we want you to be able to give out and to be able to receive. And so every week, we want you to come just ready and expectant to do both of those things. Now, some of you already know the ladies at your table, and somebody, some of you may not know anyone in this room. But whatever your current relationship is with those at your table, I can say with confidence that each one of these women has something to offer, and you have something to offer them. You will never meet another person exactly like the one sitting next to you, right? Because we are all unique and individual. Every single one of us is different. And so we all have different experiences. And every experience is valuable. So I am asking you to give the women at your table the chance to deposit something valuable in you. I'm asking that you'll let them sharpen you and you can sharpen them. Let them speak the truth to you, even if it might sting a little bit. Sometimes that happens. But I just want you to just be so open. Let them laugh with you and cry with you and pray with you and realize that we are all for you. Every single one of us are for you. We are here to build you up, to never tear you down. And like Beth said, we want this to be a place of just refuge and safety and a place where you can be vulnerable. So let's have an amazing time together, all right? All right, well, this semester, we're going to be taking a look at the book of Ephesians from the New Testament. And this book was actually a letter that was written between 60 and 62 AD to the church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was in modern-day Turkey, and it was a very large and influential port city. And it was known to have one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, which was actually a temple to the goddess Artemis. The Greeks called this goddess Artemis, and the Romans called it Diana. 
So this temple was just magnificent, and I actually had the amazing privilege to go to Turkey this last December on a global experience. Here's a plug for global teams if you haven't been on one. They're amazing, okay? I was able to go to Turkey and see the city of Ephesus. It was unbelievable, and we saw where the temple of Artemis was, and you know what was right across the street from it? A church, a house church, which is so exciting, because when I thought about what a house church would be, I thought maybe there would be like 10 or 20 people in a home. Well, this house that we saw, it was just being unexcavated, is that a word, excavated? Not unexcavated. And there was this massive house that was like 9,000 square feet. And there was a room in the middle where hundreds of people would have fit. And so that was a house church. It was absolutely amazing to see this. So that city of Ephesus was known for worshiping many, many gods and having this huge temple to the goddess Artemis. But despite all the darkness, it also had an amazing, thriving church. And it was one that Paul himself founded when he was there on one of his missionary journeys. Now, this church in Ephesus was important to Paul, and he stayed in that city more than anywhere else that he traveled. He was there for approximately two to three years in Ephesus. It also had some very strong leaders that led after Paul was there. Priscilla and Aquila ministered there. Uh, Timothy pastored there. And also uh, the apostle John lived and ministered in Ephesus along with the mother of Jesus, Mary. Because remember when Jesus was dying on the cross, he looked down at John and he said, John, take care of my mother. So Mary lived in Ephesus as well. Now it was there that John, the apostle John wrote his book and he also wrote the book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then many of you know the book of Revelation that John wrote was when he was exiled on the island of Patmos, which is right off the coast of Ephesus. So lots of things happening from this city. Now, the definition of Ephesus is desirable, beloved, or my darling. Kind of an interesting name for a city. But for the most part, the believers in Ephesus seemed to live up to that name. They were active and tireless in their service to the Lord. They were patient and they were intolerant of the idolatry that was going on around them. Now, it's interesting that most of the letters that Paul wrote were to address certain issues that churches were having. But this letter was different. The focus of Ephesians was to establish and instruct the believer on their identity in Christ and also um, encourage them to grow and mature in their faith. But if you think that they were perfect, they weren't because they actually had um, a letter written to them in Revelation. One of the seven churches that Jesus spoke about was actually to this church. And he had this to say in Revelation 2 verses 2 through 4. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Oh, when I read that, I feel like it would be a dagger in their heart, right? They're doing all these incredible things, 
But he's saying to them, you've left your first love. This church fell into the trap of thinking that they kind of knew it all. I mean, sometimes when you follow the Lord for a long time, you may think like, yeah, I kind of been there, done that. I've got this. I know a lot of things. And sometimes you just serve out of an obligation. But we have to guard against falling back on, on the what and remember that it's all about the who. We can never allow ourselves to replace our love for, G- for Jesus with service to him. They're not the same thing. Serving for him is not the same thing as loving him. That's serving and not without love is just religion. But we want a relationship with Jesus. So as we study this book of Ephesians this semester, let's keep that in mind. That the amazing truths that we will learn about the conduct of a believer that we need to have, the power of God at work in us, and the armor that we're going to talk about that we are invited to wear, none of these should ever come before our love for Jesus. So that is a bit about the recipient of this book. So now let's talk about the man who wrote it. The book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul. And it is so full of revelation that you could literally spend a lifetime studying it and never run out of all the treasures that are in this book. One person described it this way as if it was like a mother or a grandmother writing to her children or grandchildren to tell them everything she wished that they would know. That's a pretty strong statement. Now, Paul wrote this letter from prison, which is amazing because so much of its details are about our identity in Christ and our calling as believers, which you wouldn't really think would be on the top of Paul's mind when he's in chains in prison. But Paul's revelation of these powerful truths changed his perspective, and that's why he wrote he wanted the church so badly to know these truths. So it doesn't matter what your circumstances are, you have an identity in Christ that makes you free. That's what we talked about all weekend at our Sparkle Conference, that you are free. And what's interesting about Paul's writing is that it's both easy and difficult to understand. I, don't, I know that that doesn't really make sense. What do I mean by that? I mean, like, the words that he used were words that most everyone could understand, no matter what your education level was. But the concepts that he talked about are so deep that when you read them, you know that there's way more in the passage that you can grasp, even though you might understand the individual words. So you can learn something from what Paul wrote, whether you've been a believer all your life or whether you've just come to know him. There's so much depth in his words, that you can go as deep into these truths as you want. Now, the Apostle Peter said this of Paul in 2 Peter 3.16. Some of his comments are hard to understand. That's what Peter said. And Peter was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and he walked with him for three and a half years, and he learned directly from Jesus, but yet he still said that he was hard to understand. The Passion Translation says some concepts are overwhelming to our understanding. And again, it wasn't because Paul was writing over their heads. It was because he had been given a revelation 
about the identity of the believer and what it means to be in Christ. And the truth of these revelations are so astounding that it's hard for our natural minds to grasp it right away. So there are times when you read something that Paul said that you are your identity in Christ and you can intellectually understand it, but then you have to go deeper and you have to meditate on it. Now there's an example of this, these complex concepts right from the start. And if we look at Ephesians 1 verses 1 through 6, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. Whew. If you look at verses 3 through 6 in your notebook, you will notice that these four verses are one long sentence. That whole thing was one sentence. Nobody can pack more into one sentence than the Apostle Paul can. And despite the many words in these verses, not one of them is wasted. There are concepts written here that if you would take the time to meditate on, on them, they will keep your mind busy for days. So let's look at the big themes that Paul included in this four-verse sentence. God has already blessed us. The blessing includes every spiritual blessing. This blessing comes from heavenly places in Christ. God chose us in Christ. The purpose for this choosing is that we would be holy and without blame before him in love. This choosing took place before the creation of the world. He predestined us to be adopted as children of God. And this is God's will, and it pleases him. It brings praise to the glory of his grace. He made us accepted in the beloved. This passage is an example of the richness and the depth of this book, so I hope that it gets you excited for what we are going to dive into this semester. Now, there are women in this room of every age in life, and that is amazing. I love that so much. And not just in the natural, but also spiritually. We're at different levels in our walk. Some of you may have been walking with Jesus for decades, and some of you may be brand new. But if you would consider yourself young in Christ, let me encourage you that nobody in this room has it all figured out. Okay? Nobody. And if I could somehow identify the most mature believer in this room and I invited her up here to share her deepest secrets, she would tell you that she doesn't have it all figured out either and she would be very humble because the closer you get to God, the more you realize how much you don't know how big he is and how awesome he is and how humble it is to just be loved by him. So since we are all still learning, don't ever hesitate to ask questions. Never be intimidated by the knowledge that someone else has of God's word. 
Okay, that's amazing. And those who are wise got that way by asking questions themselves. Okay, so we all have to grow one step at a time. And if you are someone in this room that's mature in your faith, I just want to encourage you to go deeper. You can always go deeper and study and look at different translations and different concordances. There's so much information online um, that you can dig deeper in. So I just encourage you to do that. There's always more to learn, and God wants to reveal it to you. There's a chapter in the book of Job where Job speaks of all the amazing things that God has done. And he talks about how God stretched the sky out over the land and he made the land and sea and the clouds and everything in it. And it talks about how he made all that is beautiful and he's Lord over everything. And after recounting what God is capable of, Job says this in Job 26:14. These are just the beginning of all that he does, merely a whisper of his power. Who then can comprehend the thunder of his power? Job was saying that we all know that God's power is a, that all we know is just a whisper. So imagine how much more is out there. He's so powerful and so creative and so capable, and it only, it's just a fringe of who God is. Paul said it this way in Romans 11.33, who could ever wrap their minds around the riches of God? the depth of his wisdom, and the marvel of his perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of his decisions or search out the mysterious way he carries out his plans? This is the mindset that I want all of us to have as we approach the study of Ephesians this semester. That as amazing and powerful as we know God to be, there is so much more. We can always be learning more. We haven't even scratched the surface of all that God has and all he wants us to know of him. So to all of us, young or old in Christ, lean in and be engaged and not just here at Sisterhood, but throughout the week when you're reading the word, be engaged and be diligent and take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. It is those who are hungry that get fed. Now here's just a few practical things that we can all do to get the most out of this study. First of all, we can pray over our time in his word. Ask God for wisdom and revelation when you're, when you're reading things. And we will be covering a prayer in Ephesians that kind of tells us how to do this. And that will be in an upcoming lesson. But God wants you to understand his word. He wants that for you, and he loves to reveal his truth to you. And so when you ask him, he's going to do that. Jesus said in Luke 24, 25, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Now, we might think to ask God for help when we don't understand something, but I would say ask him even when you do understand. Say, Lord, is this everything? Like, is there a deeper level you want me to get out of this? Ask him to reveal more layers of his truth and ask him to open up your understanding. And the second thing we can do is meditate on what God said. One of the most powerful tools that we can use to grow in the Lord is to just meditate or ponder on what he said in his word. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. 
Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So again, to meditate is just like to sit in it and to think about it and to consider it. The Hebrew word for meditate includes the act of murmuring or muttering. So it's kind of like just talking underneath your breath, like even reading it out loud and then repeating it. It's so, it's so helpful. There's so many benefits to meditating on God's word. And the great thing about doing that is that your hands can be busy while you're doing it. You may read it, but then go away and keep saying it, and you can wash the dishes, and you can even be driving, changing diapers, whatever it is. You can meditate on the Word of God no matter what you're doing. The third thing we can do is memorize the Word. Now, I know a lot of you just went, oh, I can't do that. I'm too old, or I just can't memorize things, right? Maybe you think back to your school days and you're like, I had to memorize all these meaningless lists and things that I've never used in my life, right? But I cannot say how much memorizing can help you. You can memorize God's word. You can. And he will help you do it. Ask him to help you do it. Don't look at it as a task or like you're going to be tested on it. But instead, look at it like you are feeding your mind with what is powerful and life-giving and encouraging. That's a much better angle to begin. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and powerful. Colossians 3.16 instruct instructs us to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So if you put those two verses together, when you let God's word dwell in you, it's active and powerful in your life. That sounds pretty amazing. So I encourage you, Let's, let's work on memorizing. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have hidden your word in your heart that I might not sin against you. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So if you hide your, God's word in your heart, it will keep you from sinning and your prayers will be answered. Not always in the way that you want them to, but they will be answered. And those are only two of the benefits from memorizing God's word. It is so worth your effort. All right, the last practical tip I have is to maintain your hunger. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Now most of us know Jeremiah 29, 11, right? It's a very familiar verse. It's a powerful verse because we know that the Lord has plans for us and there are great plans to prosper us, not to harm us. But we can't forget verse 13, we can't forget that those who find the Lord are those who seek after him with all their heart. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
God rewards those who seek him. He says it right there. This means that if we want the reward, then we need to engage in the search. Now, we've already discussed that there is so much to learn. And as you listen to the teaching each week, um, and you discuss the things around your table, I want you to just begin to be curious and to think of, of questions that you can ask. We need to understand that oftentimes when something comes up and we seem like, oh, I, I want to look into that a little bit, a lot of times it's a fleeting thought and then we don't do anything about it. But we need to understand that that is, a lot of times that's the Holy Spirit telling you, dig into this, right? You have a part to play in your own spiritual growth. And if you're all new to this and you don't know what to do, ask questions. We would love to answer them for you and point them to someone that will know the answer if we don't know them. We will learn a lot from Paul this semester, so come prepared to learn and to dive in, and let's be those who seek him, because when we seek him, we will find him. And I also want us to just be determined that we are going to grow and mature in our faith this semester. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Oh, Father, I just thank you so much for every single woman that is going to be hearing all these teachings this semester. God, I pray that you would just prepare her heart to be open and curious and interested and lean in to all of the amazing things that are found in this book as we learn about our identity, Father, as we learn about how much you love us. And Lord, would you just cause our hearts and minds to understand, Lord. We're asking that you would reveal your truths to us. In Jesus' name, amen.